Let's talk about what we're getting into the first part of this year. We got a series that we're calling Fruitful. Fruitful. Uh, if, if you remember the last several weeks of the year, we talked quite a bit about discipleship and what that looked like. And that being a disciple is really being a, an imitator of your master who, who you're discipling under. And so we're trying our best to be imitators of Christ. That's what he's calling us to more than ever this year is discipleship. And so really this is being fruitful. We're, we're actually talking about discipleship. And being fruitful is actually God's plan for your life. That's his intention, his plan for you. He wants us to bear fruit. Matter of fact, the very first recorded words that we have that God spoke to humanity, the very first thing he said to us that's recorded at least is this, Genesis 1.28, right there in the garden. He says, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful. <laughs> First thing out of his mouth, he could have said, be holy, be religious, be nice, be low carb, whatever, right? He could have said whatever, be vegan, you know, I don't think they were eating meat quite yet, right, at that point. No, he said this, be fruitful, and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish and the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That is, that whole section is considered the blessing. The very first thing that God had to say to humanity was a blessing. Isn't that wonderful? It lets you know his mindset toward us. Ultimately, that's his heart, is a blessing. He does want to bless you, okay? He's a good God. And most of all, he, his heart was be fruitful. Everyone say fruitful. That word means what it, what it sounds like, full of fruit. <laughs> fruitful, full of fruit. Now, fruitful, it's an adjective. It means producing fruit, especially in abundance. That's coming from the dictionary. Not just producing fruit, but producing a lot of it. So God's first words to us was, I want you to be productive and producing things. Now, here's the thing about fruit, and we've said it multiple times. You, you hear me say it a lot. Fruit, a tree doesn't benefit from its own fruit necessarily. Like, you know, an apple tree doesn't need its own fruit. It produces fruit, and everybody else gets to benefit. We get to eat the apples. Animals can eat it. Critters get to eat it. And if, if, if anything, the earth will eat it because it'll drop it right there on the earth, and it'll become a... Uh, compost and the earth will take it back in right so so fruit is bore for others so god's first blessing and and order of business was i want you to produce a lot of things that's going to bless others that's pretty powerful not only that a lot of fruit have the ability they have seed in them right so they have the, the ability to reproduce what's being given away. So God's intention for us is to produce a lot of things that can bless folk and have the ability to multiply the essence or the spirit or the mindset of it. So if, if you are yielding a lot of joy in your life where people just hang out with you and, man, they're they just feel uplifted and joyful after hanging out with you. 
Well, that's fruit. You get to give it away. And then hopefully it's got some seed in it to where they take it and they can start multiplying the joy. Or they can multiply the love. Or they can multiply the faith. Or they can multiply the word of God. You start speaking the word of God into somebody and they're like, man, that's really good. And then they take it and say, hey, look what I heard the other day. And then they start multiplying. That, that's the concept of being fruitful. So, so the, the number one first thing on God's mind was, people, I want you to produce a lot of things that's going to bless some folk with the potential of multiplying it. It's pretty cool. Matter of fact, if you go all the way, fast forward all the way to when Jesus was walking the earth, he's still preaching that very same thing. You know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit was right there at the creation of the world, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John said. So, so when the Father said, be fruitful, hey, the Word was right there. The Word heard, and the Word's still preaching it. All the way here in John 15, uh, chapter 1. I want to make sure that's not me. There we go. Uh, John 15, verse 1 through 8. Jesus is saying this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So here he's, he's prepping it by comparing himself to, to plant life or to vines or trees, right? He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The father takes away. Why? Because the intention is to bear fruit, right? And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. So, so here's your choice. You're, if, if you are in Christ, you can either bear fruit, you can be producing some things in your life that's going to be a blessing to others, or you can choose not to. If you choose not to, the Father tends to kind of take you away. But if you do bear fruit, here's one of the fun benefits. He prunes you, <laughs> right? Snip. Ouch. Say, man, why did I have to go through so much in 2023? Because he wants you to bear more fruit, right? If you're going to cultivate a plant, you got to cut it back, right? You know, my wife will trim her rose bushes back. Some, we had a neighbor that said, no, trim them way back. She trimmed them way back. She was like, oh, man, did I kill them? But you didn't, did you? Man, they came back with a ton of roses. Man, they, they came back beautiful. Well, what'd she do? She pruned them back at the right time. So that it could produce even more roses, even more fruit, right? So, so he prunes you that you may bear more things that are going to be a blessing to the world. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. Now that word abide, everyone say abide. Abide has multiple meanings. It means to remain in, to to. Hey, he's saying, remain in me and let me remain in you. Abide also means endure. Endure in me. There's sometimes we got to endure <laughs> in our faith walk, right? And we have to let him endure in us. Thank God that he's full of endurance and patience with me. Amen. But he said, abide in me, endure and, and remain in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. If we're not connected to Christ, we're not going to be bearing fruit. Unless it abides in, in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me, right? So he, he, he goes on and says this, I am the vine, 
You are the branches. He's repeating himself. He says, he who abides in me, if you remain in me, and I in you, and I in him, bears what? Much fruit. That's the key to fruitfulness, is to remain and endure in Christ. Remain and endure in your faith in him. He is the word. So therefore, we remain and endure in our faith in the word. If the word says it, we trust it above everything else. And if we do that, we're going to bear much fruit. Everyone say much fruit. Everyone say mucha fruta. There you go. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. If you're not remaining in the word, if you're not enduring in the word, you're going to wither. And he says they, are gather, they gather them and throw them into the fire. In other words, you're just good for a little kindling. There's not a lot of use out of you. And they're burned. If you abide or if you remain or endure in me and my words remain and endure in you, you will ask what you desire. Look at this beautiful promise. You'll ask what you desire. What is it that you desire, that you really desire? He says, you'll ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now, the cool thing is the more you abide in his word, the more your desires align with his word, right? By this, my father, who, who wants to glorify the father in your life? Just one. By this, my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So we're saying that, he's saying that discipleship, part of the key to discipleship is to bear much fruit. If you're going to say you are a disciple or follower of Christ, you've got to bear fruit. And the way to bear much fruit is to abide in him, to remain, endure in him. That's the key. Remain in the word. Trust the word. Why? Because the word is him. Right? Trust the word. Remain in him. Endure in him. So, with that being said, we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, much fruit. We're going to learn to be fruitful. We're going to learn to be fruity people, right? A uh, bunch of fruit loops. That's what's going to be going on. However, before we, now we're going to spend several weeks talking about fruit. What kind of fruit? Well, Paul does a wonderful job of giving us a list that we call the fruit of the Spirit. And many of you have those fruit memorized, Right? I don't necessarily think it is an exhaustive list. I think he's trying to, if you read everything in context, he's trying to give us uh, some contrast uh, to understand what the fruit of the Spirit is and, and what it means to live according to the Spirit. If we live according to the Spirit, we're going to bear the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to be fruitful, right? We're going to be blessings to a whole lot of people. Not only will we be blessed because we're living according to the Spirit, but we'll be able to bless a lot of people. Now, the contrast that he talks about when we read in Galatians the fruit of the Spirit, you can't really fully grasp the fruit of the Spirit until you also contrast it against the works of the flesh. So we're going to talk about that just a little bit this week. And you say, well, man, we, we're, we'll wind up talking more about that today than we are the fruit of the Spirit. Well, we're going to spend several weeks talking about the fruit of the Spirit but we need to contrast and set a foundation of what's up with the fruit of the flesh or the works of the flesh. Um, basically, are we living according to the flesh, your flesh, your ego, your egoic nature, your fleshy carnal nature, or are we living according to the spirit? And so, and, and we have to address this because in the modern day American church, especially uh, along the 1980s, 1990s, there was a huge movement uh, bringing us back to the understanding of grace. Uh, until then, 
uh, our, the, the church movement had gotten very legalistic. And no matter what denomination you were in, there was just a lot of rules and regulations you had to follow. If you're going to be a Christian, you've got to look like this, talk like this, be like this, act like this, listen to this channel. Uh, don't watch this, do this, do this, do that, do that. And, and uh, so for a lot of folks, Christianity became following a set of rules rather than having a true relationship with the Savior, right? And so there were different men, especially uh, Chuck Swindoll, wonderful, incredible teacher of the Word of God. Uh, for many years was uh, actually the um, director of uh, a seminary here in uh, uh, Dallas Theological Seminary. Um, Chuck Swindoll, some of you may remember this book. He wrote a book and had a great Bible study to go with it called The Grace Awakening. Instead of The Great Awakening, it was The Grace Awakening. Beautifully worded, bringing us back to the understanding of grace. We are no longer under the law, the law of Moses or the law of religion, but it's grace. We get to operate in grace. So it's not a matter of, I wasn't good enough to check all this list off today of what you have to do to be a Christian. It's a matter of, I'm living in grace. Now, as wonderful Westerners, we, we, the, the movement kind of went crazy where folks started, hey, I'm living in grace. I can do whatever I want. Grace. Jesus loves me. No matter what, his love is unconditional. That's true. His love is unconditional. He's going to love you if you're the biggest knucklehead today or not. Or he's going to love you if you're the biggest saint or not. His love doesn't vary. He loves you. And while we were yet sinners, he died for us. So he loved, he, he doesn't love you any more today with you sitting in church than he loved you on the worst immoral day of your life. He loved you that much. That's phenomenal. Now, when you understand his great love properly, it's not a matter of, well, I want to go live and do whatever I want and live however I want. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of, I love him so much, I want to get to know him, and I want to live according to his spirit. So Paul addresses this. He's, he's talking to the church in Galatia, who some guys have tried to come, come back to and tried to put the law of Moses on them and say, well, you guys have to do this. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to do this, this, this. So Paul's trying to say, no, we're living in grace. But he, said, he warns us of this. For you, brethren, have been called to live in liberty or freedom or grace, Right? He says, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Man, that sounds like fruit, doesn't it? To serve or bless one another. He's saying, don't use the freedom and the liberty that, that Christ has for you as an excuse to start living according to your flesh. You know, uh, in some areas, he says, well, should, if grace abounds, all the more, well, why don't I go sin so that God's grace can abound in my life and, and I can, you know, he'll receive all that much glory. Paul's like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. He goes, no, don't, don't. He said, may it never be that, right? Uh, so let's hop down to verse 16. This is where Paul, and, and we're eventually going to get to the fruit of the Spirit, but we have to contrast it with the works of the flesh. Paul says this. He says, I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So they're warring. The flesh wants one thing. The spirit wants another thing, right? And the spirit against the flesh. And these are, the, are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. That's the wonderful thing. If you're, if you're living under the law, you're still subject to the curse that the Old Testament talks about. 
And the curse is lack, limitation, famine, not enoughness, uh, 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 you know, poverty, uh, depression, all these things, sickness, disease, your crops are failing, all this stuff. That's part of the curse. And, and the law said, hey, if you live up to the law, you're going to be blessed. Well, we, we learn in the New Testament that Christ redeemed us from the curse. And if you are living according to the Spirit, you're, you're not under that curse anymore. But if you start walking according to the flesh, it moves you back into position of the curse. Right? So that's, that's kind of what he's, he's getting at. So now, here we go. He, just as he listed out some fruit of the Spirit, he lists out uh, uh, the works or, quote, fruit of the flesh. It's not an exhaustive list that we're going to find out, but, but it, it gives us a little bit of concept and mindset as to what fleshy living, what, what the mindset is of living according to the flesh. And, and for, for those who may all of a sudden start feeling uncomfortable, look, every single one of us sitting in every single chair is guilty of one of these or multiple of these or anything because we're all human. And there have been moments or days that we have all lived according to the flesh. We've all operated in our flesh, right? Now, the works of the flesh are evident. He said there's evidence. You can tell if you're living according to the flesh. And he starts listing them out, some of them. He says adultery. What is that? That's sexual relations outside of your marriage vows, right? Fornication. What is that? That is sex outside of marriage, period. Any type of sex outside of marriage is fornication. Now, that doesn't line up with the world system. It doesn't line up with... Uh, you know, what society says, right? And people say, well, you can't stop people from doing what's natural. I understand that. But there's also, how many of you own a dog? Few of us, right? Uh, or at least those that want to admit it, <laughs> right? It is very natural for that dog to use a bathroom. Now, do you teach or train the dog to use the bathroom on your bed? Hopefully not. <laughs> Because it's natural, but you, but you train the dog, there's a proper place to go do this, right? To do something natural. Fire is a natural form of energy. Fire is wonderful. Man, you can cook with fire. If it's on your stove, you can, you can warm your house if it's over in the fireplace or whatnot. Man, you, could, you can grill a lot of steak if it's over in your grill. But if fire jumps on your couch or jumps on your drywall or jumps on your kids or jumps on you, it's destructive, right? So in other words, just because something is natural, God has uh, natural boundaries to keep it as a blessing for you rather than something destructive. And so, uh, so it's listed here. Uncleanness. You ever just been around things that are just morally unclean, mentally unclean? Lewdness. Lewdness has to do with um, just constant uh, impure uh, uh, sexuality. Basically, 75% of all advertisement that's out there <laughs> could fall under lewdness, right? Uh, pornography, all that type of stuff. Now, notice the first several things he listed out had to do with physicality. Why? Because that's the first place that the flesh goes. The flesh wants to be satisfied. The flesh wants to be pleased. Well, the flesh is physical. And so there's physicality in that, right? Uh, notice what the, the commonality is. It's all very self-pleasing. It's all about self which is very opposite of fruit, right? Fruit is about giving. Flesh is about me. Take it, this is what I want. This feels good to me. This is great to me, right? Now he goes on. 
idolatry, sorcery. Say, well, I don't practice witchcraft. I don't, what, you know, idolatry. That's, it, that's uh, you know, you remember the, the uh, Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Say, well, I don't worship any other gods. Maybe not in the form of some of the old big ones, right? Dagon and Ra and <laughs> all that stuff, right? But idolatry is anything that you put above Christ in your life. And in some ways, we've all struggled with it. I struggled with it. There was a time that I was intimidated of people, certain kinds of people, and I would want to please them. And I feared them more than I feared God. The Lord would say, hey, I want you to go say this or do this or do it. Oh, that's going to get this person mad. That's going to get this person upset. I don't want to do that. You know, well, what is that? I've just made human beings an idol because I, I would rather submit to them than to, than to God, right? Uh, idolatry, sorcery. Well, what, what is sorcery? Sorcery is, uh, uh, you know, whether you're practicing any type of magic per se, or uh, you could even find that in uh, uh, palm reading, uh, uh, any form of witchcraft, any, any type. Of, those who are into horoscopes, all that type of stuff. Uh, it, it all falls under that. It's, it's all self-pleasing. Now, here we go. Here's the ones that really start hitting us the most. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Hatred, man, that's a hard one. If you've ever, if you've ever had someone do you so wrong, you've had to struggle with hate. That, that's real. You don't have to raise your hand, but anyone ever had to deal with that? I've, I've had... I've, I've had to struggle with it in my life. There was someone who came against my family for so many years and did such wrong things and actually even wound up in prison. This person's actually still in prison, will, will, will probably be there until they pass unless they, they make it the whole course. They'll be about 75, 76 years old when they get out. That's really old for prison. A lot, most folk don't make it that long in prison. But the damage was so immense within my family it, it, it actually eventually resulted uh, in, in a family member taking their life. That's how hard the damage was. And God had to deal with me. Man, it was a, it's a work of the flesh. I struggled for a number of years with hatred toward this person. And God had to help me through it. So it's real. Uh, contentions. Are you just contentious? Are you just contending and arguing all the time? You ever been around someone, man, they're going to argue no matter what, right? Some, some of you spouses are in a, in, a, in a place where all y'all do is argue. You're going to fight no matter what. You're going to find something to fight about, something to argue about. Knock it off. It's the work of the flesh. You want the Holy Spirit to work in your life. You want the Holy Spirit to be alive in your marriage, right? I'm not saying you ain't going to have a bad day. Everyone's got a bad day. I just mean a constant spirit of contention, right? Or just you ever worked with someone that's like that? Does that describe you? Do you go, yeah, when I go to work, man, I'm just going to oppose everything because I'm not pleased with nothing. I'm just going to fuss about everything. Uh, jealousies. Do you get jealous when God blesses somebody else or somebody else has success? Does it make you jealous? Woo. Outbursts of wrath. <laughs> The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Say, so, well, I, I get angry. I understand that. That's a human emotion. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. In other words, be angry, but don't do the wrong thing. Sometimes the best way to be angry is to be quiet. Because, man, you say some wrong things when you're angry. So do you struggle with outbursts of wrath? Just 
just throwing tantrums all the time, right? You don't have to raise your hand. I already know who you are. <laughs> I pray for you daily. Selfish ambitions. Woo, that could be anything. What you do in life, are you doing it to bless others? Now, you may reap some blessings from it too, praise God. That's his intention. Say, if you have a business or you have a service and you work hard, well, you're, hey, you're trying to pay, make a living. You're trying to pay bills. You're wanting to bless your family. You're wanting to enjoy some vacations and enjoy some life. Nothing wrong with that. But are you doing what you're doing to be a blessing? Are you doing it, I'm trying to climb to the top so I could be number one, so I can make all the money, so I can get all the stuff, so I can get what's mine, is it selfish ambition? Even in ministry, I, I talk to my staff some about this sometimes, that, hey, we can even, in ministry, you can have selfish ambition, which has no place in ministry. It would be, I had a lot of naysayers in my life, and so it would be really easy for me. I'm coming up uh, in May, uh, if you guys don't kick me out before then, in May, I will, <laughs> I will celebrate uh, six years of pastorship here at Gathering Church, and and that I've had the honor to do that. And there's there's a lot of folks I could get out there and make some announcements to and say, huh, what do you have to say about that? Right? Because I had some naysayers in my life. Uh, I, could, I could use it as a form of ambition. Well, what is that going to accomplish? You know, who cares what they had to say? Uh, all that, uh, it's like Ryan saying, the cross has the final word, Amen. So selfish ambitions, dissensions, that's divisions. Are you a divider? If something's bothering you, do you hold court with other people or do you go straight to the source of what's bothering you to talk about it? Or do you get together with other people and say, I can't believe they're doing this. Do you understand Pastor Dave is doing this and that and everything? Well, come to Pastor Dave. Trust me, I ain't gonna, I'm not that mean of a guy. You know? I'm not that intimidating. So... Now, my wife, she'll give you the look. I don't give you looks, right? You do have the look. Remember, we talked about it the other day, right? And you were quite proud of it. It's that mom look. Y'all ever had a mom? How many of y'all had a mama that you knew you messed up? Because all she had to do is give you the look. And she said that she came by, she came by uh, honest because uh, Jan Brown would give her the look. <laughs> so. Now, me, I'm, man, I'm sweet. You can come to me. Not just, not just even in churches. Maybe on your job. Maybe within your families. Whatever. Are, are you, uh, uh, do you deal with uh, dissensions? Heresies. Heresy is not just something uh, that people can yell in churches. That's heresy. I can't believe you preached that. The word heresy actually means uh, to state something that is so obnoxiously unnatural, Right? which I would say is a lot of the agenda that's being taught in, in our public schools and, 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 and pushed out on the airwaves. There's a lot of heresies in life, right? Things that just don't make sense and are natural. Envy, murders. Say, well, I've, I've never murdered anyone. Well, do, do you murder people's dreams? Do you murder people's careers? Do you murder people's uh, confidence? Do you murder? You know, there's lots of ways to murder folks without taking their life. So, oh, here's one. This is going to get me in trouble. Drunkenness. Oh, it got real quiet. If you can't say amen, say oh me. Drunkenness. Say, Pastor Dave's preaching against drink, having drink. No, I'm not. I'm 
saying that the word of God tells you for drink not to have you, right? Uh, it's, it, if, if this has become a lifestyle, here's, the Bible says, uh, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the spirit. Here's, here's the, uh, the concept that, that he wants the Holy Spirit to be in control of you. The spirit, not spirits, right? Uh, and I get it. So if you say, well, I have, there's times I need comfort. I understand, but we are filled with the comforter. Jesus called him the comforter, right? Uh, he wants to be your source of your all in all for your comfort, your encouragement, your joy. Now, uh, I get it. Sometimes there, I, I know for some folks, they say, I, I'm tired of hurting. And so that I just want to numb, you know, I'll be honest with you. i I was there at one point in my life. I just needed to numb, right? The problem is this, uh, really the way to healing is through the pain, believe it or not. Uh, my shoulder was feeling great, man. They had just been working with me for eight weeks on, uh, on, on, um, range of motion. And they were like, Ooh, man, your range of motion is almost back to hundred percent. I said, glory to God, man, it's feeling great. I'd wake up. It felt great. I'd walk around. felt great. Now this week they added resistance. They, I got a little green giant rubber band I'm having to do stuff with. I could do it with my left hand. I could, you know, come on with that sweet little rubber band, whatever. Man, my right arm, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. So I'm pretty, someone say, how's your shoulder? It's hurting right now, right? Because of this resistance. But it's the path to healing. And sometimes you have to lean into the pain and the Lord helps you through it. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. I ain't camping out there. I'm walking through it, right? Uh, so the problem is, even if you numb, well, once the numbing wears off, you still got the pain, you still got the problem. You know, when I had my surgery, they gave me a, a nerve blocker. It numbed my whole arm. It's the same stuff they shoot in your mouth. You know, you go to have a tooth worked on, and they numb the whole side of your head, right? Man, it felt great. Until 18 hours later, it wore off. <laughs> the numbing wore off. And guess what? I had pain. It took me 48 hours to get ahead of that pain. And even then, the meds they gave me then were only temporary. I was meant at some point to go through the pain to get to healing. It's the same thing in our life, right? You got to go through it. It's not the answer. And, and I will say this. Use wisdom. If you can't enjoy one or two, if you got to keep enjoying it, stay away from it. Stay away. If it has that kind of control in your life, allow the Holy Spirit to get control. Amen? So there you go. Anybody mad at me? Say amen. Oh, hey, I got someone up front mad at me. <laughs> I should have known it, JJ. Revelries, that's just crazy wild parties. Crazy wild parties uh, are like, you know, I'm not talking about get-togethers where you have fun. Look, we need to get to, hopefully Tuesday we're going to have some fun. There'll be laughter and all that stuff. I'm talking about you don't need to have a personal frat party uh, Mardi Gras going on in your backyard, right? So that's what revelries is. So this is not some all-inclusive list. What Paul is trying to show is, hey, here's some signs of your living in the flesh. Because notice he says, and the like, or things like this. Well, what's the commonality of all this? It's very, like I said, it's very self-serving. It's, it's very me. It's very, I'm putting me first. 
I'm number one. I don't care how this impacts anyone. I don't care how this impacts my family. I don't care how this is going to impact my future. It's what I want right now. It's that kind of mindset, and that's what permeates our society. And he says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things, things like this and the like, here's the thing, will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's an interesting term. Say, pastor, are you telling me that if I've been guilty of any of this stuff, I can't go to heaven? We're not talking about the sweet by and by, right? That's God's domain as to what's taking place in the sweet by and by. What do we talk about the kingdom of heaven all the time here? The kingdom of heaven is what we get to operate in right here. It's heaven coming here. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, John the Baptist was preaching. Paul said the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. So if you want to function, that covers, those three categories cover a lot of things. But if you want to function in your life in this kingdom that we talk about, that we have access to, uh, righteousness, doing the right thing, being right, being righted, thinking right, talking right, making the right decisions, uh, acting right, all of that. Peace. Peace, man. Who needs some peace? I do. Uh, Peace that passes all understanding. All hell could be breaking loose all around you, but you're still at peace. Joy. Joy that's not based on things. You don't have to search for things to make you happy, but the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's a joy that comes from God. That whole concept of the kingdom of God and how you get to operate and the covenant of God. He says, if, if you practice such things, if this is your lifestyle, you will not inherit that, the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy. The word inherit there is legalese for to take possession of something that's been given to you. It's that simple. So you will not be able to take possession what God's provided for you. Why? Because those things Those things don't operate in the kingdom of God. Flesh doesn't operate in the kingdom of God. Rather, it's spirit. It goes back to what we've been talking about for months and months and months. To step into and operate in the kingdom of God, you've got to submit. You've got to die out to you, which is the flesh, which is just all these desires, and come alive in the spirit, right? So he says this. He goes on to say, but the fruit of the spirit, and we're almost done, and this is what we'll cover over the next few weeks, but the fruit, everyone say fruit, or that which you can constantly give that will bless others of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Well, that right there is worth it. <laughs> then he goes on to say long-suffering. That's another word for patient endurance. You're going to go through some stuff. But, man, wouldn't it be wonderful to have so much peace, joy, and love that you know that, hey, I don't like what I'm going through, but it's going to be all right. He's going to take care of me. I'm going to get through this. Patient endurance or long-suffering. Kindness. If ever you get a chance to be right or kind, choose kind. Right? Man, I've, had, I've been in Bible studies. There's someone he, he, he doesn't attend, but he'll show up to Bible study. He wants to be right, and he ain't very kind about it. Glory to God. And if, I'm, if I was operating in my flesh, you ever been to a Bible study and then you want to punch somebody? I'm just going to be honest. Glory to God. I have to, I, Lord, no, I want to step into the spirit. I don't want to live according to the flesh. So <laughs> to be right or be kind. 
Kindness, goodness. Man, anyone want some goodness in your life? Faithfulness, that means a lot of things. It means to be committed to what you've committed to, to be committed to your walk with God, be committed to the work of God, the kingdom of God, be committed to your family, to your, your, the covenant with your spouse. It also means to be full of faith. Man, I want to be full of faith. I want to trust him more than ever. Gentleness, some translations say meekness. Say, Well, that sounds really wimpy. <laughs> You're going to find out it's not. Meekness actually has to do with controlled power. The visual on it is that you would have a sword, but you keep it sheathed. You have the ability to whack somebody's head off, <laughs> and they may even deserve it. But nope, I'm going to show meekness or gentleness. I'm, I'm going to keep it sheathed, which goes right into self-control. Boy, that would cure a lot of our woes, wouldn't it? Self-control. I need some of that in my life. See, most people say, well, Pastor Dave, you're fine. Like, you know, I, I just got, I got on to some of y'all just a few minutes ago about drinking, right? Uh, too much. Well, guess what? Pastor Dave has a vice. It's called enchiladas. <laughs> it's called food, man. Let's be honest. I didn't get this girlish figure just by eating, you know. I mean, I, I worked hard on this figure, right? Uh, it, it's a lot of work to get that fork back and forth from the plate to my mouth. In other words, it's, I need self-control, right? Now, the thing of it, we can all laugh because society says, <laughs> oh, yeah, we all overeat and stuff. Well, you know, it's, it's still a bad practice. Same kind of bad practice as over-drinking, right? Same kind of bad practice as overworking. Abusing anything is not good. It's just that it doesn't have the it doesn't have the stench on it as other bad habits do, right? Because we all, oh, well, you know, we all love food. Well, we don't need to love it that much. So, hey, I need to bear some fruit in my life. I need some self-control. So there you go. I'm preaching, I'm preaching against myself today. He says, against such there is no law. Hey, look, God's going to fill you with so much fruit. It doesn't matter. Someone say, oh, we need so-and-so as president. Or no, we need to keep this president. Or we need this party in power. We need that party. Well, that party gets in power, they're going to pass these laws. If that party gets in power, they're going to pass. Look, ain't nobody going to pass a law that's going to prohibit you from loving folk, experiencing joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, in the kingdom of God, you get to be fruitful, and it doesn't matter what law is passed on earth. You still get to bear fruit and bless folk. He says, and those who are Christ have been crucified. Let's all stand. And those who are Christ have, been cru have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if you were in Christ, all that list I just got through saying, Paul says, should have been on the cross. You crucify it and leave it on the cross. And then verse 25, this is Paul's mic drop. He says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. In other words, what he's saying is, if you claim to be full of the Spirit of God, live like it. Woo! Well, that's convicting. From the pastor on down to the grouchy one. Some of y'all can laugh about that. Thank you. <laughs> Some of y'all took it personal. Why are you preaching to me? Hey, but that's what the Holy Spirit's doing for all of us. In some way, he's going to convict us this year. Why? Because the Bible says that for those he loves, he chastises. In other words, he disciplines those that he loves. That's, one of, that's part of the word discipleship. 
discipline. It all comes from the same word. He's going to teach us to walk according to the spirit and not the flesh. That's your challenge this week. And if you say, well, man, two hours after church, I found myself still walking in the flesh. Praise God, that's where grace comes in. Not to make an excuse for you, but to let you get back up on the horse. Say, well, I fell off the horse. Well, the wonderful thing is you get to get back on it. And he doesn't kick you when you're down. He doesn't beat you. He gets you right back up and brushes you off. Why? Because his intention for you is not to punish you, not to beat you up. His intention is for you to be fruitful. And whatever he's got to do to tend to that vine and that branch, he's going to do. Amen. So we're going to learn to be fruitful because that's God's plan for us. Amen. Let's all bow our heads. We're going to pray together. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your word. Thank you for the fruit that you're going to, that you're going to harvest in all of us. By the end of this year, Lord, we're going to have, we're just going to have a whole orchard full of blessing that we get to just give to folks and to bless folk. I am excited to see in all the ways you bless us that we can be a blessing this year like never before. Teach us to walk in you. Teach us to walk according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. And should we stumble and fall this week, Lord, let the first place we fall is right into your arms and into your grace and into your forgiveness and your acceptance. For there is no condemnation, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Old things are passing away. Behold, all things are being made new. We thank you for it. Thank you for the cross where we can find redemption because the cross does have the final word. We pray in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. Let's worship one more time as a family together.